Hey friend, support this podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes. And you can also do that now in Spotify and leave five stars for Infertility and Me podcast. This will just help increase our show's ranking and reach so that we can continue to reach more people and more friends who may be silently suffering with infertility too. Now, let's get into the episode. another episode of infertility and me podcast as you can see if you're watching on youtube junior is joining me in the background (laughs) thank you guys so much for being here with me thank you for allowing me into your ear and or your visuals it is my absolute pleasure to be here with you guys to serve you in this way bringing and passing the mic to other people in the community so that they can tell their story in their own way and how they navigated it how they went through it, and all those good things. So I'm your host, Monique Farouk, infertility advocate, women's health advocate, entrepreneur, mom, wife. You guys, before we get to to today's episode, join me on Patreon, okay? Join me on Patreon for private community, at free early access to new episodes, supporting the continuation of Infertility and Me, as well as finding your tribe. We have our own private Discord chat so that we can privately talk to one another, keep up with one another. We do monthly Zoom check-ins and we get on the line and just shoot the shit and hang out with each other, okay? And so you can join for as little as $5 a month, you guys, for as little as 5 dollars a month come find your tribe over at infertility and me on patreon you guys download the app on your favorite device and or use it on your web browser if you have any questions just email and or dm me about patreon before you sign up and i'll be happy 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 to answer any questions that you'd like and so happy international well happy national infertility awareness week you guys it kicked off two days ago and i hope that you are advocating for yourself in your local state with your local legislators our guest today stephanie reyes she is still in the thick of things so elated to have her i don't get to talk to many people still in the thick of trying to conceive but stephanie so graciously reached out and emailed and offered her story and she just has some things she want to get off of her chest while also inspiring you guys to do the best you can while navigating this ish called infertility okay stephanie has pcos she has neurofibromatosis which is a genetic disorder that affects her nerve cells and it causes a little bit of chronic pain and such so she tells us about that also she offers up some details about what she does to navigate trying to conceive and how she stays sane in the activities that she likes to pursue while she's in the thick of things and what helps her cope. It's going to give us some ideas on how she copes with infertility and hopefully that will help inspire or light a spark in you to do more activities outside of fertility that have nothing to do with it that a conversation of fertility will not come up or any of those things so stick around for the whole entire episode friends and please 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 make sure that you are following on instagram at infertility and me podcast if you like to consume visual content you can subscribe to the youtube channel at infertility and me podcast as well it should come right up as long as you put infertility 
and me podcast so uh yeah we'll be back in just a second you guys with stephanie Alrighty, you guys, we're back with our girl, Stephanie Reyes. Thank you, girls, so much for coming on the show and getting up early on a Saturday morning to talk to us and to share with us a little bit about your life and your trying to conceive story thus far. I know you're still in the thick of things, so mm-hmm. I really do appreciate you coming on in the midst of all of that. It's very difficult to talk about. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, of it. I'm yeah. super excited to be here. Yeah, so girl, how did you meet Hubby? So he's military, right? So how did yes, that all happen? Yes, yeah, so he actually met... In college originally, like I think a lot of people do with their spouse, but we weren't dating at the time. So I just gotten back from my study abroad from Japan and he was a transfer student. So I hadn't met any of that um, the incoming class from that year. So that would have been January 2010. And, you know, it's kind of cliche, but I had an immediate crush on him. I'm like, I want to date this guy. He is super cute. Oh, he's dating kind of a scary mm-hmm. soccer player, so maybe I should back off. But we got to be really good friends. Uh, he was in the fraternity that I had hung out with a lot. We went to a really small college, so you know most of the girls would kind of gear toward one fraternity, and his fraternity was like the gamers, the kind of the I don't want to say outcast because I love them all dearly. So he ended up with them. So we talked a lot. Didn't really keep in contact because uh, I moved to Japan after graduating college. And then oh, about, I think, 2015. So um, a few months before I was set to come home for a Christmas vacation, he messaged me on Facebook. He's like, hey, Steph, I just moved to the area. You know, what are some good places to live? What's um, some cool stuff to do? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll give you the lowdown because um, this was in northwest Arkansas where I had grown up. And then when I came back a, a few weeks later for Christmas, he's like, hey, do you want to go out and get some drinks? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then it all just kind of uh, kind of fell from there. So we started dating 2015. And then we, he moved to South Carolina for work. He was working for a logistics company at the time. And then I was there for a little bit in Charleston. Then I moved to Hawaii. And then he joined the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard is what brought us here to Maryland. So we've been together seven years now and then married for two. Okay. Okay. Wow. You guys have been on a wild ride. You've done so much together already. It's so crazy. Oh man. Yes. And our girl Stephanie is in Maryland just like I am. So we're like kind of neighbors. We're not that far from each other. Like an hour maybe? At the very most. Yeah. Depending on how much traffic is on the highway. Yeah. Since your husband is in the military, I imagine it to be very difficult when planning. You're trying to conceive and trying to have children and Mm -hmm. then dealing with insurance with the military. I know it's very difficult. Difficult. Um, had one or two guests before who talked about that a lot. D- difficult oh, is an yeah. understatement. I believe it. <laughs> if, yeah. if there ever was one. So uh, for for him in particular, what I think when we first started trying before we went to more assisted methods when we were still trying based on ovulation. So with his schedule, he works kind of a fireman shift where he's gone for forty eight hours and then he's here for forty eight hours. He's gone for seventy two. So when you know when your spouse is gone or your partner is gone for you know two or three optimal days, you know, I'm lucky sometimes if I get one good day in and that could be, you know, even three or four days before ovulation. So just even timing things was really hard. And he was still getting a lot of his qualifications for different boats and different, you know, had to learn how to handle mm-hmm. a weapon. So he was pretty stressed just all those like little yeah, certification exactly. type things. So, you know, right. he was always yeah. studying. He definitely had a lot of stress going on. Um, you know, which can play a huge factor. So it just, it, it became a lot. And then um, even when we started doing our IUIs, it always, we can never, t- if we could just like predict our ovulation to come when we want it to, that would make our life so much easier, but it doesn't work that way. So 
each for the three IUIs I had each day was on a day where he was on duty. So it's like, can you please ask your command? You know, it's a little bit different asking for time off in the military. It's not like a civilian job. It's like, oh, I'm going to go home and, you know, give a sperm sample for my wife. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. Flexibility but we is were, I guess, very yeah. fortunate that his command, um, him and his wife also did IVF. So, I mean, if, if there was ever someone that would understand our position, it was his command. So um, we we're very fortunate that each time he was able to to come home for IUIs because I don't know about your experience, but when we went to Shady Grove and they don't have a collection room, so he had to do it at home. So it's not like he could meet me at the clinic in Annapolis where he works. He had to come, you know, the 20 minute drive home, 20 minute drive there. So it was a, it was a lot. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with TRICARE, but right now their current verbiage is they don't cover anything that is assisted. They only cover natural conception. I really, I really, I really dislike mm. that word, but so our IOIs were completely out yeah. of pocket. They wouldn't even cover the monitoring and blood work like they would if it was a time intercourse cycle. So we were a hundred percent out of pocket and I mean, the, the clinic gave us a military discount, which was, which was helpful. Don't get me wrong, but you know, at $1,500 a pop, you know, that, that adds up really quickly. Yeah, it does. And unfortunately, see, I don't understand what the term that they, the, the, mm-hmm. the verbiage you were talking about when they were saying that if it's not natural, yep. then it's not covered. So if you don't get pregnant naturally, then basically they're they, saying they're not going to nope. cover any of like your care that goes or if, if, if by, you know, knock on wood, mm-hmm. like you had a miscarriage or something like that and you had to go yeah, get a DNC yeah, and all that it's, stuff. It's, it's wow. really rough. Right now we're, we're fortunate that because we're so close to Walter Reed, uh, Walter Reed is one of the six military hospitals in the States that has a reproductive endocrinology department. And because Walter Reed is also a mm-hmm. teaching hospital, they have fellowships and are obligated to have a grant-funded program. So we're going to be able to start IVF in the spring, a severely discounted rate compared to Shady Grove. And it also includes the cost of medication, which alone can be the $10,000. So we're blessed and, and very fortunate that we're going to be able to do this through Walter Reed, because if not, we'd, you know, we'd have to be looking at at living a child-free life and I'm not I'm not ready to come to that to have that discussion yet so mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just very fortunate that mm-hmm. because he's in the military and because of our proximity you know where we ended up that we that we have the opportunity to do this so you know <laughs> and I thought that I, I bet that was a battle it even getting to this point of being able to doing the research you know what I mean like because of course insurance no. is not going to tell you about all the things that they not the benefits and the loopholes mm-hmm. and they don't want you to know about the loopholes they don't want you to know about mm-hmm. these facilities like Walter Reed that have the care that you need they're not going to die yeah. there because they, they're just not okay they're not and, in the business you know, of helping anybody I, I started doing the research <laughs> so, whenever yeah. um, I got here last spring because I knew that we were close to Walter Reed and at the time I was doing my research, again, those little caveats in the insurance that no one really tells you. So with TRICARE, our insurance, there's two types for me as a spouse that I can be on. Long short of it is I can be select, which means I can refer to anyone as long as they're a network. Or there's prime, which means I first started a military hospital and then they'll refer me out. Well, for Walter Reed, you have to be on prime and I was on select. So I didn't have the right insurance plan and because I had waited too long after moving here and it wasn't open enrollment, I couldn't do anything. I got my referral in early enough. And fortunately, because we'd already done so much work through Shady Grove, um, most of our baseline testing was already mm-hmm. done. So there was just a few things that they were missing. And then I could uh, meet with the provider in January and go from there. So 
even even after doing the research, it's like there's still such a long process that I have to go through. And again, because Walter Reed is, you know, the top military hospital in the area, the waiting list is probably longer than a lot of other areas. Sure. I do want to backtrack for a minute. Yes. So you have PCOS and you have neurofibromatosis, yes. right? So when did you get diagnosed with PCOS? I got diagnosed with PCOS about six months after we started trying. I know there's the golden rule that you're supposed to wait a year, but I'm impatient. So I went to a women's clinic while I was living in Honolulu. And, you know, he saw the ultrasound and he was like, oh, you have PCOS. I'm like, I do? Because <laughs> I don't have any of the other clinical uh, markers that a lot of a lot of people have. So that came as a as a big surprise mm-hmm. to me. And then after the ultrasound, we went back to his office. Uh, he gave me an article about metformin, started me on that. And then a month later, we were on Clomid and a trigger shot time intercourse cycle. Wow. So how did you go about processing your diagnosis? Because it sounds like things move fairly quickly after you were diagnosed. You know, it's, you know, I was, I was talking with my husband, Jose, about this, this recently. And it was, I think I was more frustrated because I remember distinctly when I was about 19 or 20, I know my periods were horrible. They were super irregular. And I'd asked, um, the, the OBGYN, our nurse practitioner at the time, it's like, hey, can I have my hormones tested? Because, you know, someday I know I'm going to want to have children. And since my mom had a hard time conceiving me, I wanted to kind of get that piece of the puzzle figured out early. And I was immediately dismissed. They're like, no, you're too young. You don't need to worry about that. You've been on birth control. And I know that can affect some things, but, you know, a transvaginal ultrasound would have, you know, immediately said, yeah, you've got cystic mm-hmm. ovaries. So, I'm just, I was really annoyed, I think, and more irritated the fact that I wasn't listened to, you know, a decade ago when I'd asked for testing. And if I had known then what I know now, I think I might have had an easier time coming to terms with why it's been so hard for us to get pregnant, yeah. you know. Wow, that's unfortunate. I'm so sorry about that. So the uh, neurofibromatosis, mm-hmm. how does that affect your ability to conceive? And I know it's like you have chronic pain and yeah. Yeah, so I'm... So, so neurofibromatosis, it's um, a genetic condition. Um, so it's something I was born with. So what it does is it causes like little benign growths, like usually underneath the skin, but they can also be internal as well. So um, anywhere that there's a nerve, um, those little those little growths can occur. And um, so I've been talking to a lot of people on on Reddit and different forums lately that chronic pain is often underlooked in people with neurofibromatosis. One journal I read said that people with NF can have chronic headaches. And it's like, oh, that describes me. Because two years ago, I had like a six-month spell of headaches that no one could figure out why. And so now it's like I've been having chronic chest pain, you know, like x-rays cleared, cardiologist cleared, gastro uh, gastro cleared. So, you know, it's like, is there like a little growth somewhere that, you know, they can't see on an x-ray that's pressing against something that's causing this type mm. of pain or, you know. Um, so... As far as I know, in the literature I've read, it doesn't have any, any indication that I might have trouble conceiving. It's just it's just something that I live yeah. with on a daily basis now. You guys have been trying to have a baby for how long now? Two years this month. So Two years, okay. An, an unfortunate anniversary. So you guys have dual factor infertility though, right? Yes. So at what point um, did you guys get uh, diagnosed with male factor infertility as well? Tell us a little bit about that part of your story so it was right around the same time that um i had gotten my testing so i asked jose it's like hey do you mind doing a semen analysis he's like yeah sure 
And I say he got it done, but when we got the results, nobody ever called to explain to us what they meant. So I went down the the dangerous rabbit hole of Dr. Google and seeing, you know, like what the different mm-hmm. parameters were. So I'm not a professional by any means. So the best I could tell was from the analysis that they did is we probably have some borderline uh, motility. And then when we saw a reproductive endocrinologist at Shady Grove, she's like, yeah, your motility is borderline, but we need to retest you because that test didn't do morphology. And then so when we got it redone, we found his morphology was at 2% which for any of you that that are more familiar with this, like anything below 4% is considered abnormal. That's like the the fifth percentile for uh, for who. So because of the morphological issue, as well as some motility, whenever we start IVF, we're going to have to do ICSI. So where they uh, put this, mm-hmm. uh, they, they pick a good sperm and they inject right, it into directly. the egg. Directly, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So yeah, wow. we've, we've got, we've got two, we've got a lot of factors working against us. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. And um, there's other people in the community that I know of that have dual factor, but it's not something that mm-hmm. I come across very often having these discussions and then just, you know, connecting with everybody online and such. So I know that must have been very difficult trying to process all of you guys' roadblocks to parenthood. And you're at the point where you know pretty much everything that's going on with you guys, with yourself, your husband, and your overall health as a couple. We've, we know as much as, as we can. And another, so another thing that happened I wanted to bring up is, so part of the IVF workup is I had to have a saline sonogram and that's whatever they scattered. I had two uterine polyps. So that was also a factor going into us. And I was kind of dumbfounded. I was just like, what do you mean I have polyps? Like, and I think mm-hmm. it was more, I think my question, not so much necessarily is like why they were there. It's like, why wasn't this discovered sooner? You know? You know, yeah. you, you look at it retrospectively, it's like, you know, if they had discovered these sooner, if I had them taken care of, you know, before we did our IUI, would we have had a better chance of any embryo implanting? So I had a hysteroscopy at the end of December to get those polyps removed. I, I had to have the same thing, girl, Ugh. the same exact thing. And, you know, I think a lot of times doctors just don't want to, well, some don't mm-hmm. like to poke and prod more than they should. Yeah. And it's frustrating for us, but in hindsight, it's like, well, okay, they are kind of like looking out for me. Like they're not doing unnecessary testing, but then again, it's like, well, it is kind of necessary because we want to know everything. Right. But then if they don't have any, it's like doctors are constantly looking for clues. And when they don't have the clue that there may be an Mm -hmm. issue there, they don't look for it. And then with polyps, they just don't cause any pain. So unlike PCOS, it's not like directing your face or your Mm -hmm. other condition with uh, NF and everything where there's a physical manifestation of it that causes uncomfortableness and such and so yeah I I've been there girl <laughs> had the same Gosh, issue and, I, and I've I had them on my 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 cervix oof, you know ouch. and they don't really bother them on the cervix unless they get out of control or anything so sure. I I understand the frustration of like getting mm-hmm. one step forward to go two steps back for temporarily I want to tell you guys about infertile teas Infertile Teas was created by Marilyn Gomez, who is an IVF survivor, mom to her one and only. Infertile Teas sells graphic teas made with the silent sufferer and infertility warrior in mind. Their graphic teas, hats, 
socks, masks, and a plethora of other goods are created and curated with you in mind to tell your story your own way. You guys, I really love Infertile Tees because the quality of the shirts are fan-freaking-tastic. They're soft and they feel great against your skin. The designs are very beautiful. Marilyn designs all of the graphics herself and she also draws those graphics. So she's an all-around creative badass you guys to check out in fertile teas and when you do when you find that special item that showcases you while also advocating for infertility and or miscarriage awareness use code IAM15 to get a discount on your purchase you guys will not regret it check out infertilities.com for your infertility advocacy awareness products. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So I was talking to, to both my husband and my mom. I think there's like a really difficult duality whenever you do testing. It's either you get a normal result and you're frustrated that there's nothing wrong or you find something wrong and then you're upset because of that. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. always there's like, there's right? no good, there's a, like, there's no, it's really hard to see kind of the the good side of it. It's like, you're, you're going to, at least in my personality, it's like, you know, I'm going to be upset either way, but you know, the testing is necessary and it's diagnostic, even if it, even if they don't know what the, what the answer is that way. So yeah. It's difficult sometimes. You just mentioned something and you said that for your personality, this is how you process things. And so mm-hmm. how would you have described yourself prior to getting your diagnosis? Oh, that's a great question. I, I have, I've dealt uh, with a lot of anxiety, you know, most of my life. And I think just kind of my personality and having ADHD and everything, just like always thinking like, what is the worst case scenario? And like, what are my contingency plans? Or like, what if this situation happens? How am I going to react that way? Or like, what if that situation happens? You know, how am I going to respond to that? So I guess just kind of building myself up for pot- any potential bad news. Like, I don't want to say I'm a pessimist, <laughs> but I think... I often just kind of tend to yeah, like some o- over just some tendencies, tendencies. <laughs> to, to kind of like overanalyze things. You know, I still try to try to be positive and like a lot of these scenarios in my head aren't always negative, but I think just maybe it's like some kind of defense mechanism. Think like, okay, well, what's the worst possible thing that could happen to me today? And like, how am I going to respond to it? So always trying to be 10 steps ahead of myself. It drives yeah. my husband crazy. So, <laughs> uh, you know, not to, have a harder time kind of living in the moment. So that's one thing that, you know, I've been working on lately with my therapist and with myself is like, just try to try and try to live in the present and not 
dwell either too far into the future or even you know too far back on the past. And you know the funny thing about trying to live in the present is like if you're present effing sucks right now. <laughs> it does. It's, it's like I've, what, I've got what a lot of shit going doc? on. Yeah, like okay, my my present sucks right now, doc. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's always looking. It's always about a balancing game and trying to find the yin with the yang. Mm-hmm. And I and I like I'm a big advocate for. It. If your present is effed up right now, right? We don't have to look for the silver linings. I don't feel like maybe, you know, I'm no therapist, of course, and no psychotherapist or psychologist, anything like that. But I feel like when they say be in the now, I think they should come with more context. Okay, if I'm going to be in the now right now, does that mean I could be angry? Does that mean I could be sad? Mm -hmm. Does it mean I can be frustrated? Does it mean I need to be looking for silver linings? Like, it's exhausting. You know what I mean? So you've told us how you saw or viewed yourself before your diagnosis so how has that changed since having your diagnosis and coping with it and working with Mm -hmm. your therapist and such like that so yeah positive or negative yeah so just to kind of loop back a little bit to what you said I definitely still think like yes I can live in the present and I can honor my sadness I can honor the fact that I'm really fucking angry that you know my best friend is on pregnancy number four and I still have zero kids But at the same time, like I can honor that and then go off for a hike and try to get some, the weather's beautiful today. Like we're going to go for a hike later today. So just, you know, getting out or if it's, you know, I'm going to cook myself a good meal and, you know, distract myself that way for a little bit. So I'm not thinking about, or what was it a few days ago, it was St. Patty's day. And of course, you know, so many people who are fertile take those holidays to have their your baby announcements seems like it just makes me gag <laughs> i uh i don't know isn't I'm just, that, that funny that, yes, uh, I, yes I, that's so that's that so funny? not my personality to have like those little holiday like oh we got our lucky charm it's like well you can go fuck yourself so i don't have mine <laughs> <laughs> i mean i say that lovingly but yeah so it's just kind of what things that i've changed now i think is learning how to advocate for myself and not just advocate for myself um arming myself with the proper language to do that. So like when I go to a doctor, you know, there's I hate being talked down to and I don't want someone to try to explain to me like I'm a five-year-old stuff that I already know. Patronizing you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it comes across as really condescending. So just trying to get myself up to speed and it's like, you know, what is the language these doctors are using? Like what's the terminology I need to know so that I can be taken seriously? Because that's, you know, as a woman, I think of, you know, anyone can say that, you know, being in the doctor's office is really frustrating because, your, your pain or your suffering or whatever you're going through is often diminished or at the worst, it's like, oh, well, it's just your period. Like mm-hmm. probably not, mm-hmm. but thanks anyways. So. And when you're trying uh, to have these conversations with your doctors, <laughs> it's really intimidating. Like you it said, is. because you don't always have the same language that they use, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, I think we just have to stop judging ourselves about these mm-hmm. things too. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's something, um, you know, that's changed is just like, you know, doing more research, like kind of being more aware, kind of to be a little bit more grounded in like what the scenario is. I guess today, if you're to ask me like how it's changed, like I just feel there are so many days where I'm just really sad and it's just, you know, it's it's just really hard to to find the motivation to, to keep going sometimes. But, you know, um, I'm going to do it because, you know, the goal at the end of this is to be a mom, is to, is to be a parent and to have... A child with my spouse and I'm going to I'm going to do anything you know go to the end of the earth to to make that a reality 
it's definitely not the journey I ever expected myself to be on. I don't think, you know, anybody really does, but it's where I find myself. Part of it, I guess, it's also kind of made me appreciate appreciate what I have. You know, even though I am in pain a lot of days, I still do have overall good health. My spouse is in good health. We're in a really we're in a really stable home right now. Also, we're looking at adopting a dog. So that's something to look forward to. Mm. So just trying to, even though, yeah, there's some things that really suck right now, things I wish I wasn't going through, but also trying to find other things I can do to, to occupy my time and to look forward to and to try to grow, um, try to continue to grow as a person. And what have you found yourself doing more of as far as the activities you like to involve yourself in? You were just speaking about going hiking today and yeah. doing all the things you love. I recently, um, just because my chest pain got so bad, I recently um, had to quit a job that I really loved. But the the good thing about, well, I don't say the good, well, the nice thing about you know, being home all the time is now I can I can actually cook because before I was working such an odd schedule. I worked from 11 mm-hmm. to 7. So, yeah. you know, That's it's weird shift. to eat lunch at 1030 and then I can't eat dinner mm-hmm. until like 830 at night. So I went to a lot of, you know, microwave food, you know, instant ramen, that kind of stuff. So now it's like I actually have the time to to sit and cook a meal. I have time to look up really cool recipes because I used to be really into cooking and that kind of got away from me. But now I can, you know, reignite that passion I used to have of looking up a recipe I've never heard of until I saw some YouTuber try it. It's like, oh, I want to make, I can make that. I'll look that up. So learning how to make like a peanut soup from Ghana was one that I, um, I recently made, which was really tasty. So um, doing doing different food and then also about around the same time we're starting IVF, I'm going to be going back to school, which I'm really excited about. I have to remind myself sometimes that I still got a lot of really good things going for me. Absolutely. It's just Absolutely. this one this one little piece. Just you know, this one I little like part of life that's a little effed up right now. <laughs> this tiny little part of, you know, how, yeah. how does Stephanie get pregnant? Yeah, so small, but so very, so, so vastly important. Most important things you'll ever do is to be able to give your spouse and yourself the gift of an extension of yourself as of a child, you know. And so I, I resonate with that. You guys know I have a five-year-old now, so I, tef- I understand it when you feel like you fulfilled career-wise and everything else, and then mm-hmm. this void is still there. And trying to fill it and make yourself feel whole in any way you kind of and I'm mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that you're doing things that that are productive, you know, productive to your well-being and doing things that you love and mm-hmm. in conjunction with that I wanted to ask you how were you preparing for going through IVF within the next mm-hmm. year along yes. with going to grad school and along with potentially having your spouse deployed when yeah. you're going through the cycle I'll, I'll touch on the deployment factor first so fortunately if he did go he'd be Yorktown Virginia which is not a super long way away from me. So it's not like he's going to be in New Jersey. So even though, yeah, he's not going to be that far away, is his command going to let him go one day for a medical appointment? That's not his. So I reached out to some of the some of the, the military spouses who have uh, their husbands or their wives uh, went to Yorktown. And someone's like, no, they're not going to let you go because it's not a medical emergency on your part. And then someone's like, well, they might let him go depending on what they're training for that day. Someone's like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to hang on a what if. So we... I immediately sent him to Walter Reed to get a a frozen sample. So we've got sperm on ice. Should we have to use frozen sample as opposed to a fresh? So just trying to, again, come up with that contingency plan there. So trying to get that in the works. My mom is, I love my mom so dear. She's going to be coming 
to Maryland in May, and she's going to be the one doing my uh, medication management because by training she's a nurse. So Wonderful. if there's anyone, if there's anyone I trust to do my injections, that's yes. that's going to be her. So yeah. she's going to be here. <laughs> I know, God bless her. And then I guess as far as me, you know, I was I was speaking with my therapist the other day, and like pretty much right now we're on a break, and you know sometimes. I feel, I think a lot of people feel it's like, okay, well, if I'm on a break, then I'm not doing anything and I'm not being productive. And that's like the worst thing that could happen right now. But he reminded me and, you know, one thing to go back to the food is at the very least I'm nurturing my body. You know, I'm sleeping better. I'm eating better. I am, you know, I've, I've gained some healthy weight because I was a little bit on the lower side. So I am, I am preparing my body as best as I can, like, you know, really, truly nurturing myself on um, if it's just with food, if it's with sleep, if it's getting out in the sunshine and being distracted for a few hours, binging a series on Netflix to get myself in a good mood. So, you know, just trying to take care of myself in every, in any aspect that I can to, to get myself in the best mindset, emotionally, physically, socially, to, you know, to go through this process, because it's going to be really hard, just trying to prepare myself as best I can. And I, I think that's really all I can ask for myself right now is to do the best I can. That's all you can do. And then at the end of the day, we can prepare and we can prepare and we can prepare, but we don't actually know how we're going to react when something happens. We just set our intentions is what I say a lot of times. Like set your intentions, you know, and just say when this happens, then this is the way I would like to react. And Mm -hmm. I think when we continuously tell ourselves that or for whatever, whatever, however the way it looks for you, um, then it does help. And I, and I love that you are just trying to get in a mind frame and in a, in a energy of trying to keep peace, you know, mm-hmm. not in a sense of avoiding issues, but just gaining control of your emotional state, right? That's what our mm-hmm. therapists and our counselors always tell us. It's all about just learning how to manage yourself. <laughs> like yes. you have enough to manage outside of all this craziness. Right. And I, have to man- I have to manage myself on top of all. Yes, yes. So are you nervous? Yeah, you know, I think it really depends on the day. <laughs> uh, to be completely honest, I definitely, I, I think there's, um, there's definitely a duality. It's like, yeah, I'm super nervous, but I'm also today I feel hopeful and I'm going to hang on to that. But you know, some days I'm absolutely fucking terrified. Any number of, you know, there's, there's so many things that could happen that aren't, I don't want to say go wrong because I'm trying not to think that way. There's so many things that could go differently than how I anticipate them to go, which is hard enough to emotionally manage itself. So yeah, I'm ner- I'm nervous, but it's a, today it's a good nervous, you know, because it's a nervous because I'm going through something really incredible. The whole science by now, mm-hmm. it still blows my mind that this yeah. is something that's a reality and has been, you know, the first baby was born in 78, 79, I think. So just the fact that this is a reality is just amazing. Yeah, I'm nervous and I'm, I'm grateful and I'm terrified and I'm excited, you know, just like all of these things simultaneously. Yeah, I think that's quite normal. So it sounds like you're normal, girl. You're yeah, normal. Perfectly normal. <laughs> you know, perfectly normal and you're managing it and I'm glad you're getting help and I'm rooting for you guys. I truly am. And it's an opportunity that so many of our brothers and sisters in the community don't get to have. To your point you made earlier and something I have to tell myself is like, whatever you're feeling, it's normal. It's it's okay, again, to be happy for them, but also really, really sad for yourself. Like you can, and I was explaining that to Jose. He's like, how can you, how, that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you can, you know, these feelings aren't mutually exclusive. Like it's normal and expected even to, to feel jealousy, to feel pain for when somebody else 
get something, especially if it so, comes so easily to them when, you know, whenever you're struggling, um, you know, especially if you're someone that is struggling in silence because, you know, the only person you can talk to is your spouse. So I guess really what I would say is like, you know, be your own advocate. And the if one support group that you're trying to go to doesn't work, find another one. There are there are tons of places like it took me a long time to kind of find that little that little niche sub that catered to what I was looking for that you know didn't use this cutesy terminology that was you know really serious because that's what I was looking for. But if you want that cutesy shit, like you do you like whatever whatever mm-hmm, gives you mm-hmm. you know the strength and courage that you need to go through this process, whether you're alone or if it's with an internet stranger, um, a parent, a sister, a brother, whoever, um, you know, find your little space and find your support group. Cause you've got, you've got people out there that are going to share for you and they don't have to have met you to, to be happy for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. It's been a pleasure, Stephanie. I appreciate you so yeah. much. Thanks for having me. For bearing with me with our little interruptions with Junior. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yes. And thank you friends for tuning into another episode of Infertility and Me Podcast. You guys know where to find me, Infertility and Me Podcast on Instagram, and as well as our Patreon community, Infertility and Me. Peace and blessings. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.